It is the 200 level, episode 254. Mike Carpenter from the basement studio on a Sunday afternoon after one of the more interesting games that I've seen at the State Farm Center in some time. Illinois wins. That's the important thing. They win by seven, 73 to 66. If you were to give me that score before the game, I think in, in certain ways I wouldn't have been all that disappointed with it because, one, it's a win. Hard to be too disappointed with that. And then for another, you know, some days you don't have it. Some days you aren't shooting that great. And a game like this could have been kept close for the most part. But that's what's so puzzling. Illinois comes out red hot and they take a 15-point lead, as many as 17, I think, in the first half. 14-point lead at halftime. First four minutes of the second half, both teams score two points each. And you think, well, it's just going to be one of those ugly second halves, and you'll probably maintain that lead. Well, not so fast. Northwestern gets it all the way within one, I believe, at a certain point, maybe 55 to 54, if I recall the margin. But they had every chance to win that game. And while I wasn't actually scared that Illinois would end up losing it, in a weird way, today feels in some ways more like a loss than a win. Now, let's start with the ridiculousness of that concept. The fact is, as we saw today in West Lafayette, Purdue it took everything that they had to beat an Eric Ayala-less Maryland team by one. These games happen. And maybe what I didn't take into consideration coming into this game was that while you can have an emotional hangover after a win like we saw with Purdue, maybe the same thing can be said after a big loss. So I was feeling good about today's game, but maybe too good. And that might have painted the picture with which I'm I'm viewing this whole afternoon. But it's the way in which you allowed Northwestern back into this. Northwestern is bad. They looked very bad. They shot pretty decent from the field, at least their big shot makers other than Boo Booey, to keep them within the game. But they are not good. And there was no point in that Northwestern run where I thought, oh, they are imposing their will on us like an upstart Northwestern team might. What it felt like, more than anything, was an Illinois team that was just a freaking mess. Thank goodness for R.J. Melendez. You don't win today without R.J. Melendez, and that goes without saying. He was fantastic. He finishes the game with, I want to make sure I get this correct, 14 points, 6 rebounds, no turnovers, which is more than can be said for some of the veterans, 2 steals and a block, and no personal fouls. And by the way, 6 for 6 from the line. That's where his last six points of the game came from. He was absolutely phenomenal. I cannot say the same for any other player on that court. Alfonso Plummer was great offensively in the first half. He's a microwave, as we know, and then he was not of much service in the second half. Trent Frazier played a decent point. As I look at this, he only had, I think, two turnovers on the day against six assists, seven points on two of seven shooting. DeMonte had two threes early, but then I think missed five shots in the second half, all within the first seven or eight minutes, and then actually got pulled. He got benched after he didn't get back on defense. DeMonte Williams got benched for not playing defense. It's not good. Jacob Grandison, that's a problem. He is back to being Jacob Standison. Now, I know he got some rebounds for you, but for the most part, completely ineffective offensively. He did get two points late on free throws when it mattered the most. And on top of that, three turnovers for a guy that doesn't even handle the ball that much. He's flailing around out there sometimes and making you think, is this a fifth-year senior or a freshman? And meanwhile, the freshman, I know it's a small sample size, but R.J. Melendez looked to be the most put-together guy out there. That's the good news. The bad news is this team, which is built on veterans, has bad tendencies. And in the last week, we've seen those tendencies come to the forefront. And yes, 
even after all that, you're still a game up in the Big Ten. And honestly, it would not surprise me if on Wednesday night, Illinois comes out and they win by five or six at Rutgers. It would not surprise me. Neither would a 12-point loss. Now, I would assume that most college basketball fans will look at their teams and they have moments just like we do, right? This frustration with inconsistency, and that's going to happen. These are younger basketball players. You are not going to get the same level of consistency from a top 20 team like Illinois versus a top five team. But even dating back to last year, there's this weird, almost maddening aspect about when things aren't going well for this team, they can look so disjointed and there can be so many sloppy mistakes and you worry that it will rear its head at the worst possible time. Today, you got away with it. In a Big Ten race, you are still a game up with six games to play. That's a good position to be in, as tough as the schedule gets. If you win out, it's yours. And if you lose one, at worst, you're going to get a share. So that's a really good spot to be in. But you play like today, and you're going three and three down the stretch. So how can this team get its mojo back? And what does the ceiling look like now that we've had a couple games that have somewhat humbled us after an Indiana win where we felt great and a Wisconsin win where we felt great. That was a week where I feel completely different than the last seven days. And maybe the next seven days are going to feel a lot more like that Wisconsin Indiana week. Maybe it's just something about teams that were red that will serve you well on Wednesday. And then you get a rematch against Michigan state on Saturday. A lot to talk about today. And in a weird way, I'm going to maybe be more macro than micro because this game we can throw away in some way, shape and form. Like, I mean, I'm not going to return to the Northwestern game that much. But it does let some concerns bubble up, and I was hoping to not be thinking too much about those as we get into mid-February, yet here we are. Okay, before I get too far into this, and before it sounds too depressing, and I don't want it to, I'm just saying we got we got concerns here, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, go online to dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, custom zones with any topping you want, or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That's dpdoe.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. As we have the great thaw and get into spring, why not contact Rector Construction and get a free estimate on any home exterior project? That is R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is our guy. He can be your guy as well. Great State Farm prices, as you would expect, but it's really the service that makes Brian and his team second to none. So go online to brianismyguy.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen, brianismyguy.com. Com. Finally, 4th and Kirby, online at 4thandkirby.com. It might be time to get a new lucky t-shirt. It feels like the mojo is wearing thin with whatever we've been wearing. So go to 4thandkirby.com for Alani basketball hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, and t-shirts for the stretch run coming up in this next, next month and a half. That's 4thandkirby.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you listeners for sticking with us. Now, this is our first podcast since... That fateful night in West Lafayette. This is the new pattern that I go into. I get really high on the team against my better judgment. And then there is a humbling loss like Purdue. But back to the idea of, you know, there being nuance in the loss or how you lose. At Purdue, it's not so much that you lost. You could have lost by five or six. And they just hit more shots than you. And the game ends and you're disappointed, but you just sort of shrug and say, well, Purdue's just better than us. And that's how it is. It's the way in which the game got out of hand, and it's the way in which you, you know, maybe defensively weren't as bad as the numbers would suggest, but you were doing some really silly things throughout that game that were uncharacteristic for how you had played the week before. So like on a dime, you go from what you did against Wisconsin and Indiana, 
And while the talent on Purdue is certainly greater than those two teams, that doesn't simply explain how you start doing, at least at that point, uncharacteristic mistakes. Well, that filtered over into this Northwestern game, and that is the most disappointing thing about today's win is this team does some really stupid things, and I cannot explain it for a team that is this old and has been together for as long as they have been. I know Northwestern, credit to them, they played their butts off in the second half, but they are so talent deficient compared to what you got. And unfortunately, that was enough for you to overcome it. But by the skin of your teeth against the Northwestern team that you should have left for dead when Melendez put you back up 15 with, I want to say, 14 to go in the second half, something like that, when he had that monster dunk. That should have been the game. You should have been able to put your foot on their necks, but instead they hang around and they hang around and get back within one. So that's two games in a row where you've seen this team do, we can't even say uncharacteristic now. They do these things and they have these long stretches of basketball where they just don't look good. And March is all about who gets hot at the right time, but the problem is, and this is where that Loyola game just sort of sits there like an albatross on this whole thing, is again the second round against a you know 10 or 11 seed or something like that. How good are you feeling? You know, I mean, you should feel good, but unfortunately there's going to be that seed of doubt that's in the back of our minds because of games like this and games like Purdue, the second half games at Maryland, which really is going to be the one that bites you if you don't get a share of this conference title. And that is something that I'm sure most programs deal with, but it just seems to be a little bit more exaggerated with this Illinois team and with these Illinois players. Let's start with a big name. Let's start with Kofi Coburn, because while he had the numbers today, 19 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 3 for 6 from the line, he had 6 turnovers. And I know that Northwestern was doubling and tripling, and credit to them, they said, well, we are not going to let Kofi beat us, even though Kofi still got his in a lot of ways. But I think we would all agree that was a messy performance from Kofi against guys that he's just bigger than. And he's got to impose his will and not have to speed up and then turn the ball over unnecessarily just because Northwestern is double or triple teaming him. There's got to be a better reaction from Kofi. And the moment that really kind of didn't sit well with me is in the second half, maybe 10 to go, 11 or 10 to go, I forget. Kofi gets his third foul. And it was a dumb foul. It was a push. He pushed a Northwestern guy out of bounds, going for a rebound. And he kind of sulks going back to the bench. This is your junior, all-American candidate acting like that. And this might sound meatball-y, but that's not good enough for a National Player of the Year candidate. It's not. And I think we can dispel that right now. Kofi's a first-team All-Big Ten player. The numbers alone will bear that out. The impact that he has on this team will bear that out. But this season, while early on we could use the excuse that he had to sit for the first three games, and then there was the injury, or I should say, was it the injury? Yes, the injury. And then he's back. There, there hasn't been much consistency to begin with in terms of feeling like, okay, well, each, each night you're going to get this from Kofi. And there's been this weird way in which he's acting that's kind of counter to the Kofi that we all grew accustomed to. This was a guy that played very light and, and always smiling and having a good time. And there seems to be an added weight on Kofi this year. And maybe that's the expectations. Maybe it's the fact that Io is not there. So he is the alpha guy, the one that they look to late in games. I'm sure that has an effect on a young individual like Kofi, but there is this added weight and this almost anger that he's showing that is just not what I'm used to seeing from Kofi. And it's troubling that if things go south in a game that really matters in March, can you count on Kofi to come up big? 
And it just seems like there's been too many damn distractions, too many things that are catching his attention. Dumb fouls that he was not committing last year, let alone early this year. Mental mistakes that are uncharacteristic of Kofi. And while he got his numbers, he had six turnovers. And for a center, that is unbelievable. He was going to be taken out of the game with five minutes to go. Omar Payne was going to come in for Kofi before that and one opportunity. And it was only because Kofi got fouled and made the shot that they had to put Omar back on the bench. They were going to set Kofi. And that leads me to another older guy in this team, DeMonte. DeMonte was benched for not getting back on defense. And if I recall that play, you know, something happened where I don't know if it was a missed shot and DeMonte tried to deflect it off the Northwestern guy. But instead of getting back, his guy easily scored. And that was it for DeMonte. When DeMonte Williams starts getting pulled for not getting back on defense, it's hard to not think, okay, is this an aberration or is there something more going on? Is that just frustration from this particular game boiling over or is there something more going on? Because talk about uncharacteristic. DeMonte not getting back on defense in an easy fast break bucket for Northwestern, that is not what we would ever think DeMonte's play would lead to, and it did. R.J. Melendez comes in. And we all thought R.J. Melendez was probably going to come in for Jacob Grandison. Here's another veteran that is killing you right now. He did get six rebounds today, four on the defensive end, a couple late that helped you seal this thing. And that's good. And he made the two free throws to help you seal this thing. That's good. But he killed you for extended parts of this game. And he is, when he's bad, he's bad. And it can make things like his pronouncement last week after the Wisconsin game. Well, I'm back. Well, how do you know you're back? I just told myself I'm back. Well, tell yourself you're back again because this is not going to do it for a guy in the starting lineup to be this bad or for you to not be able to count on him and know that if you don't get good Grandison, not only do you get mediocre Grandison, you might get bad Grandison. And that's the kind of stuff that loses games in March. Trent had to be facilitator today because Andre Crabello was turning the ball over left and right. Another bad performance by Crabello, and that's disheartening. It sounds like we lost the way that I'm talking, and I want to be careful because you're still 11-3, and three, and you're at the top of the Big Ten by an entire game. So that's, that's good news. That's good, right? But it's these things that we saw today and that we saw in the second half against Purdue and that we saw at Maryland, and I know you didn't have Kopi that game, but there's still no excuse. It's that when things don't go well for this team, they can go spectacularly bad, and that's not where you want to be. Now... This can all flip Wednesday night. It can. And that Rutgers game, it's a matchup where I still think Illinois has some matchup advantages. I do think that Kofi should do well against Omiuri. I think I'm saying that correctly. I do think your backcourt matches up well against theirs, but then you got the Ron Harper situation, and I don't think Coleman Hawkins is going to play another 25, 30 minutes this time and shut him down. You're going to have to get either DeMonte to do something, you're going to have to get Grandison to play better defense, or you're going to have to get Melendez out there even more. And I think it's a great matchup for Melendez on Wednesday night. And not just being a prisoner of the moment, we need to see more of him. And it needs to come at the expense of DeMonte and Grandison's minutes. It has to. Those guys are, for every good thing they do for you, they do another thing that almost you know, hits you in the kneecap and just hobbles you and makes it that much more difficult when it doesn't have to be. This didn't have to be a difficult game, and it was your veterans that made this thing get as close as it did. I mean, Plummer, I haven't mentioned him yet, 19 points. That's fantastic, except for the fact that he wasn't hitting in the second half, and when he's not hitting, he is a minus defender. I'm trying to find out how many rebounds he had. One rebound. 
One for him, two for Trent. Your backcourt was not getting rebounds. DeMonte only had three rebounds, uncharacteristic of him. He's too busy shooting it, I guess, and missing it. You know, I had this thought today, and I don't want to be blasphemous, but I want to start by saying I'm going to enjoy the rest of the season for what it is. I hope that it ends with some sense of satisfaction that you've accomplished things. And I think it still can, right? They're in position to do just that. But there will be something nice as we enter next season with some new faces, as we bid adieu to guys that have helped make Illinois basketball relevant again. I am starting to feel, and I got to wonder if the team isn't feeling it as well, a little bit of extra weight. The fact that we went through this last year, the sense of, well, this is it. You got to do something this year because you aren't going to get an opportunity like this for a long time. It feels like that started to settle in a bit with Kofi and with Trent and with all these old guys that you are not going to have next year on the team. But in a way, I know that we're going to lose a lot more games next year, but it will be more liberating, freeing to watch that team because there won't be the baggage involved. I say baggage like there's negative things that these guys have brought to the program. Quite the contrary. I mean, we're going to remember all of these guys for bringing Illinois basketball back to relevance. But with that you know, relevance that we now have, there's an antsiness, this sort of impatient nature of, well, come on, we got to accomplish something this year, right? You guys have come this far. There's got to be something to show for it at the end of it. And that makes a game like this feel a lot bigger than it might actually be. It could just be an off night. And these next two games, I think, will tell the tale if today was just an off night for Illinois. But I don't know if any of you feel that the same way that I do, that I'm going to try to enjoy the fact that this team is still winning a bunch of Big Ten games and will probably get a good NCAA tournament seed. They might even win the damn conference. And I will be over the moon if they can somehow get a share and make the second week in the NCAA tournament. That, to me, is an immensely successful season. If we're talking about, all right, Carp, what are your expectations? Well, that's still attainable. And honestly, if you get a good seed in the tournament, that is what you should do. And we'll see with these last six Big Ten games. But I still think there will be something, you know, thank you guys for everything you've done, but... Now let's see the kids. Let's see the new faces. Let's see the next era of Underwood basketball at Illinois. Because I'm optimistic about it. I don't think that these guys that you have on the team right now are holding you back. But I do think there's something to be said about you're kind of maxing your potential. And this is about as good as it's going to get with this group. So, okay, we've seen it. And now we've seen it going on three years. I don't know if this was the most well-thought idea that I've had. and It might sound a little bit jumbled. But as much as I will enjoy this, I I don't know about you, I will also be looking forward to bidding adieu to some of these guys. Not in any sort of mean-spirited way, but thank you. Okay, let's see some new faces. Let's get a new Saturday Night Live cast in here because I've seen enough Adam Sandler and Chris Farley skits, okay? Much as I enjoy it, maybe we should get some Will Ferrells in here to, (laughs) to liven things up a bit. And this team has six more games left in the regular season. And as I look at them, I think you are likely going to go four and two is that going to be enough this is where i think the game and the energy for me kind of turned today my friend had much better service in the game than i did and was able to pull up the end of maryland and purdue and we're watching that maryland gets an opportunity to win it after a really weird officiating call after purdue their inbounds there was something wrong with it so maryland gets a chance to win it on their end they're down one 10 seconds they get a nice look for dante scott on the baseline he doesn't even get a shot up you know, good defense by Purdue. They get the ball back game over just like that. Anticlimactic Purdue wins. And there's a chance that they avoided their last 
bad loss. I know they got games at Michigan State and at Wisconsin, but it's also possible they don't lose again. And that's a four-loss team. And at that moment, I thought, ah, damn it. Like, the best-case scenario for this day, it's already out the window. And then it gets to halftime, and then Illinois starts looking bad. And you're thinking, well, wait a second. Can this Illinois team go 5-1 and one if, that's what it, if that's what's called for? Because Purdue keeps winning. And then Wisconsin, we'll see. Even though Wisconsin and Purdue, they're going to give each other one more loss. So that will knock one of them down to five at a minimum. But, yeah, it's it's... It's just weird to be sitting here in this position, and yet I have more questions than answers about this team. There's another component about this team when I talk about, you know, I won't mind moving on from some of these guys. I wonder how much self-reflection there is in this team. And here's what I mean by that. After the game on Wednesday, and these are, you know, tweets from Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plummer essentially saying, we're going to be fine. And I don't mind that attitude in terms of, okay, well, you got to turn the page and be ready for the next game. And you certainly need to be confident. But that was a humbling second half against Purdue. And then we see this performance. And what it tells me is, I don't know if this team is really learning anything. I don't think they have learned anything from their failures. And credit to Underwood, for the most part, he doesn't lose back-to-back games very much. And they ended up winning today, but the way that they performed in the second half tells me that they just assumed they were going to win. A 15-point lead will do that, but that's a pretty big cushion, and for this Northwestern team to come all the way back means that you really had an extended seven or eight-minute stretch where you just were playing terrible basketball for no explicable reason. So I don't think they've learned anything, and that's frustrating because this is an old enough team to recognize, okay, here are our flaws. And if we have these stretches like this, we will lose a game that we shouldn't. And that will cost us a Big Ten title. Or that will cost us in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, just like it did last year. And last year's team, when they would get me frustrated, it would be because I I would sense this uh, lack of urgency on their part. And and that would really kind of bother me because I thought, you guys have all the tools to make the run. And damn it, they almost did it. Until they didn't, you know, it was an incredible month and a half. But I look at this team right now and I think, guys, you don't have IO. It needs to be this cohesive, collective kind of effort here. And we just aren't getting it enough at this point in the year. This was a game like we would have seen in mid-January last year, the Ohio State-Maryland stretch. And I don't know. I'm not sure what this team is sometimes. That's just a really weird feeling. I I don't want to wake up at the end of the season and think, okay, Second place in the Big Ten, lost on Saturday in the Big Ten tournament, and they lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And unfortunately, if we're going through most likely outcomes, the way they're playing right now, that's more likely than share the Big Ten, make the second weekend. You know, so we're, we are razor thin margin between dream scenario and nightmare scenario. And I don't think any of our expectations are unreasonable for this team. I think even with Corbello not being the Corbello we thought, there's enough pieces for this team and the Kofi factor to raise your floor immensely. And we knew that was the case when Kofi came back. The floor is raised immensely. The question was, how high is the ceiling? And now I'm starting to feel from the second half of Purdue through this game that I might have gotten duped a little bit in that regard and that I allowed myself to get as excited as I was in the preseason or as excited as I was going into the Arizona game only to ultimately be humbled and recognize that this is more of a top 20, top 15 team than it is a legitimate Final Four threat. I mean, Andy Katz can talk all about Big Ten teams are going to break through this year. I'll believe it when I see it. But that's good news and bad news. In terms of the NCAA tournament, 
and the Big Ten being down, I think, yet again. And I don't see any Big Ten team making the Final Four. All right, well, that's a bummer for late March. But for now, for these last six games, there's not a team on the schedule that I would look at and say that is a sure loss. Oddly enough, at Rutgers might be as close to that as you could say right now. The way that they're playing and the way that they're playing at home, and uh uh-oh, now they're getting road wins. Wednesday, it's going to take everything to beat them. And I still think you can. I really do. I still think you can beat Michigan State. And guess what? You don't have Purdue or Maryland on the schedule. Maybe that's it. Or even Northwestern, if, if you recall last year. Yes, you had the 53 points second half, 53 to 13, I think you outscored them, but you were down at halftime in Evanston by 15. You only won at home by six or seven, and it took a late 30-foot three-pointer from Io, if I recall. So it's not like Northwestern games have been easy either. There's some teams that you just tend to do better against. Rutgers might be one of them. And I know the home games against Rutgers the last two years have been pretty damn good. Let's see if that can continue on the road. Michigan State, maybe you finally overcome that. I still think that a fully healthy Illinois team, that's a pretty good matchup against this Michigan State team that they can go on these really long stretches on offense where they just can't score a damn basket. I mean, we can relate, but they don't have, I think, the backcourt that Illinois has when Illinois' backcourt is producing, which they have not been the last two games. Specifically, Trent, Grandison, and DeMonte have been bad. So it's all right there in front of you, and, and, and it can happen, and yet... There's just this worry that any one of these games that we're podcasting in the second half, things can just fall out from under you. And I don't know, pleasantly surprise me, I guess. You know, Is this a spoiled Illinois fan talking? It most certainly could be interpreted as that, given where we were at four years ago. Or even two years ago, you had the Super Bowl Sunday loss against Iowa. Now, that was the start of a five-game losing streak, I think, or at least four-game losing streak before you won at Penn State. But... At least in that game, it felt like, man, you gave him everything. You might have lost, but it wasn't because you were being stupid, and it wasn't because Iowa was an inferior team <laughs> taking advantage of your stupidity. They were really good. Oddly enough, two years ago, I felt better after that Super Bowl Sunday loss than I do after the Super Bowl Sunday win. But maybe I'm overcomplicating things, and at the end of the day, you got to win, and you're 11-3. and three. So while I've been focusing mostly on the bad news, or I should say the questions about this team, It really is a weird place to be in. Top of the standings by yourself and yet not really sure if that's where you're going to be at the end of it. But we could wake up seven days from now on Sunday, what would that be, February 20th? We could wake up seven days from today after beating Rutgers and Michigan State and thinking, holy crap, we're going to get at least a share. Because I really do think if you win the next two, you're going to get at least a share. And maybe this team is due to just go on a crazy hot game and Kofi gets his mojo back and you start to see an offense like you did in early to mid-January. But right now, um, the offense is slipping a bit, and defensively, you're slipping a bit too. And I, I hope that's easily fixable, but when you see DeMonte get sat, you would have seen Kofi get sat as well with five minutes to go. It seems like there are bigger issues than just, oh, we didn't play well. That's Underwood saying, my key guys are failing us right now. They did not come to play. I don't know what that says about this team this late in the season. I just know it's kind of a bummer. But, you know, it, it was weird. At a moment when it got within one, I texted Trevor and Isaac, and I said, guys, I'm kind of emotionally divested from this game. Because if I'm not going to see consistent effort from them, as a fan, it's difficult to put in consistent effort on your part. You know, screaming, yelling, making noise. It was R.J. Melendez, and R- almost R.J. Melendez alone, that was keeping me in this game in terms of the emotional part of it. Because here's this kid that's just playing his butt off. 
saving your ass and is the future of this program. I mean, the way he's playing right now, I, it was so good where you can't help but look at that and say, well, what if a light switch just flipped on for this kid? And what if the rest of the year we can see these tantalizing glimpses of what R.J. Melendez is going to be for you? He is a very unique player with the size and the athleticism. I think the ability to handle the point eventually, not now, but I think he's got enough ball handling ability. And he just has a nose to make plays. So that's the positive today. But God dang, the kid has to set the example for the veterans? I, I, maybe this is just what this team needed before Rutgers. You know, maybe the Purdue game, they interpreted sort of like the first Purdue game. Well, we'll be all right, guys. And then today was the ultimate wake-up call. Northwestern almost came back and beat you at home. I would hope that this, of all things, could be a wake-up call. And you're going to need that. You're going to need to kind of shake the dust off before you play Rutgers the way that they're on this hot streak right now. You're going to have to be like really good Illinois to beat Rutgers on Wednesday. And maybe today's game is just the perfect timing for an off night for when you just didn't bring the energy that you needed to. I, I would hope so. I got to think tomorrow is going to be a really rough day of practice. Because Underwood, I, there were times today where I saw him more pissed off at his guys. There was one particular moment where he's stomping out towards half court, and the place got pretty quiet, and you could say, what are we doing? And he was just livid with these guys. I mean, moments like Plummer chucking the three after Trent had pulled up with a minute 45 to go, trying to run some clock and get a good shot, and Plummer just launches a three and misses it. This is a guy that finished five or five of 11 from three. I think he was something like five of six or five of seven that he missed the last four or five. Just chucking up a stupid three. <laughs> That's not the time to do it. You're 23 years old. Why are you doing that? Um, and there's any number of those things tonight. It's the 22 and 23-year-olds that let you down. And figure it out, guys. I mean, and, and here's the thing. This is where you can take almost a, a liberating approach with the rest of the season. And I'm going to try to do this myself and still enjoy it as they continue to pile up these wins. And I know this is going to sound like a negative podcast, but it's just where I'm at right now. I'm going to have to emotionally divest myself from this and just sort of watch it as objectively as I can and applaud the good moments. And then when the bad moments happen, realize I've been told time and time again with my own eyes that this team is capable of some bad basketball. And these next six games give you no opportunities to do that and still win games. So this could be the ultimate reality check, or this could be the ultimate, oh, wow, they actually learned something. That would be the kind of thing where if they go 5-1 and one in the next six and get a share or even outright at four losses, that would be incredible given what we saw today. And that would be a narrative that I would happily jump on board with. But if instead we see this sort of up and down thing, then at that point it just kind of is what it is. And all we can do as fans is say, show me. Show me what you got, fifth and sixth year seniors, who this is your last hurrah. Is this all you've got? It has to be more than this. And if not, the season just kind of ends. And we look in the media guides years from now and say, well, that was a decent team, made the tournament. I mean, hey, we're making tournaments again as a program. But I do think the way that things are trending with Underwood, it will be very interesting to see, is this going to be a memorable season? Or one of those like 89-90 where you go into it with a lot of expectations and then it just sort of fizzles out and you don't really look back on it fondly. I want to look back on this fondly. I do. I don't want the quantity of wins to ultimately equal to not many tangible you know, rewards or banners. I want this team to have that. I want this fan base, which is starving, to have it. And for selfish reasons, you're damn straight. I want it too. We all do. But a game like today does not 
really settle well. It's like you need a Tums after that game. I mean, I, I tweeted a thing on uh, my account where it's this famous line from The Sopranos where Tony's in therapy and he said, you know, I come here and a lot of times it's like taking a dump, except he doesn't say dump. That's what it felt like at the State Farm Center today. A long dump. And apologies for the coarseness of that comparison. But for those that were there, it was like, what? Huh? Ew. Barf. It was a really weird kind of day. And God bless the fans, man. I mean, they kept getting loud and Illinois went up five. And I'm clapping, but I'm, I'm going to save my voice because, <laughs> one, to podcast. But two, I wasn't as emotionally into it as, let's say, the lady behind me. And God bless her, man. For her, it was just all about getting the win, and maybe I need to take more of that approach. But I think it's when you see that there are these opportunities and you are not guaranteed these opportunities to have teams that can make runs or win conference titles, that you really need to take advantage of those years when they do happen. Because as much as I said you know, 15 minutes ago that I'm looking forward to some fresh faces and, and turning the page a little bit and seeing what the next era of Underwood basketball brings, as much as I say that, I understand that there's going to be less wins, at least initially. There's going to be a step back. And that's going to kind of suck. We're going to lose some games and think, oh man, and finish like, you know, with 12 losses instead of eight or nine. And that will feel different. It will. So it's like, come on, guys, this, what do we got? A month until the Big Ten tournament, right? Three more weeks of this conference season and a great opportunity. And as I look at Ken Palm, they still have you finishing 15 and five in the conference. They have Purdue finishing 15 and five. Or actually, no, they have them finishing 14 and six now. So you got, Away games for Purdue at Northwestern, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. You have away games at Rutgers, Michigan State, and Michigan. Who's got the tougher road? You do. So you need to go at least 2-1 and one on the road, right? And then that sets up your home games. Let's see. Ohio State, that'll be tough. I, I actually think it's a good matchup against Ohio State, even with E.J. Liddell. I think Illinois beats Ohio State. I think Illinois wins out at home, even after today. I do. But it's going to take a Herculean effort to get two wins on the road and assure that you have no worse than four losses. Wisconsin, I'm not going to worry about them because, well, let us let me rephrase that. Uh, Wisconsin, I should worry about them because even with that loss to Rutgers yesterday, and here's the thing, they're playing at Indiana on Tuesday. I could see that being a loss, and I kind of hope Indiana has their bounce back game after a really rough week. They, they need it for their NCAA tournament aspirations. So that could change everything, and Wisconsin get their fifth loss then, and then, okay, we're, we're fine. They also have Purdue later, and at that point, you might want Wisconsin to play spoiler. But this is all null and void if you just go out there and take care of business. Do they? I'm going to end this podcast with a prediction about how the rest of this will go. Ken Palm still has you winning at Rutgers, but I don't think they factor in how tough it is to win at Rutgers. But there's this weird sense I have just knowing how weird college basketball is. And this is coming after everything I've said about today's game and this team right now and how there's these moments where they piss me off. I have this weird feeling they actually beat Rutgers Wednesday and there's no logic behind it. Logic would tell you Rutgers is on a heater and you're struggling and they will get the win. They got revenge on their mind after you smoked them back on December. What was that third when you smoked them by 35 points? Geo Baker wasn't in that game. I know he wasn't going to score 35, but they're fully healthy. They're playing well. But despite logic telling me otherwise, I think you win Wednesday and then maybe lose at Michigan State on Saturday. And... I, I don't know. I, I think you're going to split these next two games, and, and that may not make sense. Like, if they play like today, they're losing both. But I, I do think you split. And then the question is, can you win out Ohio State at home, Michigan on the road, and then Penn State and Iowa at home? You could. 
I mean, Michigan, I know they beat Purdue, but we saw last night, and that might have been a hangover game, but you saw last night that when their offense stinks, it stinks. It really does. And I don't know. I, I'm going to proceed with caution, um, but I actually feel halfway decent about that game. I think, though, this Illinois team goes 4-2. and two. I do. I think they go 4-2, and two and they go 1-2 and two on the road. Rutgers, Michigan State, and Michigan. And that will require Purdue losing one more game. And it would kind of have to be at Wisconsin or maybe at Michigan State. I don't know if it happens or not. I'm not sure. I can't count on it. That's why Maryland losing today sucked. <laughs> that would have opened it up. At that point, I really think we're winning a share. I really do. Because I thought five loss Purdue would go in and beat Wisconsin to give them their fifth loss. And then you'd give Ohio State their fifth loss. And somehow you would have a four-way tie for first. And I'd be okay with that. I don't need outright. I don't need any of that. I want a banner. I want this team and this program to have a freaking banner. But damn it, Maryland. Did, didn't even get a shot off. And then I'm like, thanks for nothing. They did all that without Eric Ayala. Impressive, but of course, not quite enough. So if today's podcast, if it felt like depressing, I, I apologize for that. But it just feels like, I where's this thing going? You know, and the good news is that I, if they would have lost today, as divested as I was emotionally, I wouldn't have been angry. I would have been shocked. But I would have been angry, at least viscerally angry. I think in, in my mind, it would have been bubbling back there like, you've got to be kidding me. Hug up, you know, like Joe Pesci, fake cursing in Home Alone. That would have been my brain. But that's how emotionally divested I am. So I guess that's a good thing. I can watch the game Wednesday night with fairly clear eyes. And then if they win, whoa, hello. That would be amazing. And then oh, you're pulling me back in, guys. Here, here we go. You're pulling me back in. And I still think there's a good team in there. But it just is cause for concern that when it comes down to it, can you count on them in the games that matter the most? And not just count on them to show up, but sometimes count on them to not lay a complete egg because, God dang it, like that, today was bad, if we're just calling it like we see it. And I would hope that it is a teachable moment, but unfortunately, this team has had teachable moments this year and not always responded the best after them. So time to change that. And you have two days of prep before you go to New Jersey to do just that. And we will be back here Wednesday night. And I think it is an early tip. So thank God for that. Oh, one more thing before we go. There was a tweet I had last night after Michigan lost again. And I also got one more positive thing here from Trevor and Isaac. So I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> As a, uh, Isaac found this tweet from Danny Manning saying, life is not fair, but you keep battling Danny Manning, interim coach of Maryland. And he's got screenshots of Dante Scott getting fouled in the last part of the game. But again, I thought it was decent defense from Purdue. Anywho, um, I had a tweet yesterday after Michigan loses about how Jawan Howard, I hope that Michigan keeps him because he is going to continually underachieve and Michigan's going to have a hard time firing a guy that calls Michigan his alma mater, a legend up there. And they're, they're a football school anyway, so Jawan could fall back into, let's say, okay, top five or six Big Ten finishes for the most part, not winning a lot of conference titles, getting these stud recruits in. Sometimes it pays off with a second weekend trip in the tournament. Sometimes it doesn't. But ultimately, the idea that Jawan was going to build some blue blood program, he couldn't even roster build around Hunter Dickinson enough for this team to get out of its own way. This is not a guy, I think, yet that knows how to win at the highest level in college basketball. Now, Jeremy tweeted me about that along with Greg Gard. I said that I hope that Greg Gard stays at Wisconsin forever. And you might be saying, well, they're tied for first. Guys, we all know what Greg Gard is. He's not Bo Ryan. He's Bo Ryan light. I hope he stays up there because, yes, eventually the Johnny Davises and the walls of the world, they're not going to keep coming through there. It will run its course, as we saw Saturday against Rutgers, 
they are falling back down to earth, and I'm not concerned about them being a Big Ten title threat. They probably lose Tuesday at Indiana. They aren't that great. Greg Gard can stay there and continue to do Bo Ryan light. That's okay with me. Jawan Howard can stay there and continue to do John Beeline light. It's a hell of a lot better than when John Beeline and Bo Ryan were there. That was my main point. Not that they suck, but I do think that Jawan Howard, if we're just talking as a coach, I don't think he's a good coach. I don't. He hasn't shown it yet. And you might say, well, what did he do last year? I get it. I get it, but I'm sorry. That was a perfect storm of good for that team. This is now year three for Jawan Howard, and considering what he inherited, no, the jury is still out on whether he's a good coach or not, and I'm putting money on the fact that he's not that good. May he stay there forever. See, if there's one thing we can agree on, Illini fans, it's our dislike of Jawan Howard in Michigan. See, now I'm getting the juices flowing, the juices that fanboy Carp should have flowing as a fanboy. And Wisconsin continue to be their dopey selves. By the way, it's kind of fun to go to Wisconsin Twitter after a loss like that because you see criticisms of all the old people in the 100 level and how they don't get into the game. And it was deadly quiet. The Grateful Red was quiet as could be yesterday, and it was a beautiful sight on TV. Would have been even better in person to just see that Cole Center, which used to be a hard place to win, has now been reduced to a place where you have Penn State taking them to the limit and Rutgers getting the win. So... That's just an aside about that. One final thing here, and a positive thing from Isaac in the text thread that we have with me, him, and Trevor. Isaac said, I forgot last year that you barely beat Indiana, Nebraska, and Northwestern in a couple weeks span. And that is true. There was a weird lull, but you won those games. If we're going to end up on a positive note, we're in a lull right now. And this team can also go on a heater. They could have a week just like Wisconsin and Indiana. And it would come at the perfect time right now. They, they kind of need it if they want to feel good about their Big Ten title chances. So, yes, maybe this is that lull and you got the win and you escape by the skin of your teeth. And at the end of the day, the win is all that matters. I get that. But, boy, I don't know if we feel any better at the end of that game than we did going in. I felt a little bit worse. And I don't think I'm alone in that. All right, we will be back Wednesday, like I said, for a second-half podcast reaction with Trevor and Isaac. Looking forward to that. I want to thank all of you for listening. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but wanted to get this out so you can listen to it Sunday, Sunday evening, on Monday, on Tuesday, ahead of Rutgers. And if you feel any different, if I'm going overboard, let me know, please. I'm just saying I'm worried. I, I want some tangible rewards this year, and I, this team right now is doing that little tightrope walk where I'm not sure if that's going to come. We shall see. And it could, and I'm holding out hope that it does. 200 Levels brought to you by DP Doe. I'm on at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Custom zones with any topping you want or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. These guys deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana for a Super Bowl treat, perhaps, or for any late-night snack or even a business lunch, dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com for all your vintage-inspired Illini apparel at fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. He can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com for all your home exterior needs. And we're getting into that time of year where it's time to do some home exterior projects, rectorconstruction.com. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, Mike Carpenter signing off. Thank God for RJ Melendez. I hope you have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Go Bengals, I guess. I like the underdog. I think most of America will be rooting for the underdog unless you got money on the Rams. I'm a terrible gambler, though, so I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the game with no money in the line. And we'll see you Wednesday night for Illinois Rutgers. Maybe we'll shock the world or at least give them a pleasant surprise. Take care, everybody. It is the 200 level.